you have a Bible nearby, let's go to the book of Titus, toward the end of the New Testament. We, uh, As I said earlier, we're about halfway through our 30 days of prayer. Um, this year we are praying through our church covenant, which uh, basically means that we're, we're kind of doing 30 days of covenant renewal together, and, uh, and that's exciting. Um, we just entered into the, the part of the covenant that kind of just highlights our commitments to one another. Um, and so when we prayed earlier tonight about caring for one another, physically, emotionally, spiritually, that's a part of what, what we've committed to do together as a church family, is to, to really care for one another. And um, we do that in following the example of Christ. That that's how he ministered, that's how he interacted with people. Uh, he didn't... He didn't um, meet one kind of need and ignore other ones. He, took, he was interested in the, the entire person. And so um, that's how we're trying to, to care for each other. And uh, there's a part of our covenant that we got to today, and um, it'll be today and tomorrow. And basically it says this. It says, we will, we will invest ourselves in the lives of others, and we will open up our own lives for others to invest in us. Uh, two simple lines that, that really have a lot of... Uh, a lot of impact, because when we're talking about investment, we're we're talking about pouring our lives into other people's lives, and we're also talking about opening ourselves up to let other people speak in into us. And you know, there's a lot of terms for that. Uh, you can call it discipleship. You can call it spiritual mentoring. You, know, you can call it whatever ministry. I mean, you can call it a number of things. But our covenant of of openness is saying like we're just we're not going to have. Uh, we're, gonna, we're not going to settle for shallow relationships with each other. Plenty of shallow relationships out there in our world. The church should not be a place where that is the case. And so we have formalized that agreement, saying we're going to invest in one another, so much so that it will be a part of our covenant agreement together. Um, so what I want to do tonight is I want to kind of show, let's look at biblically kind of where that comes from, and then I have just like kind of three um, Three blobs of thought. I couldn't really think of anything else other than a blob, but you'll see it's a blob of thought. Trust me. And so um, you might just want to draw like three big blobs if you're a note taker and then just like write random stuff in them. That's about how coherent it's going to be. You'll see. Uh, but um, So I sent you to Titus, but I'll, I want us to look at uh, really the, the whole council of Scripture kind of sets this idea up of, of investment and openness. And the... The idea that I want us just to center around tonight is this. God's made it clear from the beginning of the Bible to the end uh, of a number of things. And one of those is that our relationships with one another um, are going to always comprise of teaching and learning. Teaching and learning. We're always teaching each other. We're always learning from each other. So call it discipleship or spiritual mentoring or just call it whatever you want. We're always teaching. We're always learning. Um, and so Nathan's gonna, he's gonna put all the verses up. I'm just gonna run through these real quick and we're gonna land in Titus. Uh, hopefully. Uh, so Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verse 4 through 9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So here's the teaching and learning part. Uh, you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, 
and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Okay? This, the, the centerpiece scripturally of life in a Jewish community comes down to teaching and learning. Uh, parents teaching their kids to love, to love God, basically, and kids learning from their parents. Um, in Joshua 4, uh, they crossed the Jordan River and, uh, on dry land, and so Joshua had them uh, pick up these big stones out of the middle of the river and set them on the other side of the bank or whatever. And uh, that was, like, he had them do that when they got to the other side, and this is his, his explanation, Joshua 4, verse 5. Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. Okay, here's your, here it comes. When your children ask in time, in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Okay, in other words, why, are the, why is this big pile of rocks here where a big pile of rocks shouldn't be? Then you tell them this. Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Build this memorial, and when your kids start asking questions, you tell them about the faithfulness of God. Okay? Teaching, learning. First uh, Samuel 3. Uh, Samuel uh, is, is in the, an apprenticeship situation with Eli, and God is calling him, but he thinks that it's Eli. Eli is, is, is one of the, the priests. So he hears his name, he automatically assumes it's the, like, his mentor calling him, so he runs to the other room, and Eli's like, I didn't call you, so he goes back to bed. This would be the third time, First uh, Samuel chapter 3. says, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called for me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. If he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Here's this, this young kid in the faith. Um, this older guy's men- mentoring him, and the kid does, uh, doesn't understand the difference between the voice of the Lord and the voice of, of Eli. So Eli is teaching him how to hear the voice of the Lord and how to respond to that. Teaching, learning. All right? uh, Proverbs, written by King Solomon. Um, this is one of the many places it says something like this. Uh, Proverbs 1, 8 and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck, okay? He took, Solomon sits down, takes the time to write down all this wisdom to pass on to his kids and to all the children of, of Israel, the entire book of the Bible, just about teaching and learning, okay? Uh, get into Jesus a little bit, Matthew 4, uh, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen, and he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. All right. So come after me, and I'll tell you how to catch men, which probably sounded super weird to them, uh, admittedly. But basically he's saying, hey, if you want to learn how to bring people into the kingdom, I'll teach you how. Teaching and learning. Um, again, Jesus, uh, this is Luke chapter 11, says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and he goes through with the Lord's Prayer. They're saying, This dude knows how to pray. We need to know how to pray. Would you teach us how? Jesus says, Yes, I'll teach you how. Okay? Teaching and learning. Um, Matthew twenty eight, 
Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Teaching them how to obey the commandments of Jesus. It's not about just like convert them and then move on to somebody else. It's like when someone comes to faith in Jesus, then they need to, they need to know what to do from there. They need someone to teach them, and they need to learn how to walk in the kingdom, how to live in the kingdom, and to walk in the ways of Jesus, teaching, learning. Uh, they're in the Great Commission. Um, I'm, not, I'm not done. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Luke 9.23. This is Jesus talking. He said, He said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Talked about this before about that that the model of discipleship for a rabbi and his disciples was the rabbi would just go about living his life and this pack of disciples would follow him, listen to everything he said, um, watch everything that he did, and imitate him like down to the like, most minute detail. Their goal was to be exactly like him. They were learning. He was teaching, uh, and that's when when Jesus says, "If you want to come after me," that phrase "come after me" would conjure up that whole idea of a rabbi and his disciples teaching and learning. Second um, Timothy one, verse three. This is uh, Tim, uh, Paul writing to Timothy. Uh, this is also the text for today and the community group text for this week. So hope you like it. Um, it. Says I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We see, we see that, that bloodline that flows into Timothy's life of faith that he learned from his grandmother and his mother. And Paul saying, I see the same thing in you now. Um, so we have that, uh, Beth Moore points this out, uh, that, that, that there's the there's the bloodline of faith, and then there's the like spiritual bloodline of faith from Paul to him as his mentor, challenging him. So Timothy has learned and been learned from and been taught by people in his own family and this guy Paul. That's how their relationships are formed, teaching and learning. Um, that brings us to Titus two. Let me get my stuff straight. Okay, Titus chapter two. It says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the... Wait, that's Second Timothy. Sorry, it's my first day. <laughs> All right. Titus 2, sorry. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that any opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. 
Different time, different place, same idea. Teach, learn. It's all throughout the Bible. That should be a part of our relationships. It's, all, it's, it's a part of our real experience on the earth. We're constantly learning. We're constantly teaching. Just kind of how it works. If you, have, if you have a job, then you were somehow taught how to do that job. Whether it was through some sort of job, you know, job training or, or the person who's, you know, was there before you or maybe you went to school for it or whatever, you were taught how to do that. If you know how to do anything in life, some, somewhere along the way you learned. It's just, it's just how we exist as people. So within the church, this, this is a natural thing that goes on. But, but for some reason, it, it doesn't seem to be um, really like firing on all cylinders like it should. This idea of discipleship, of spiritual mentoring, of teaching and learning within the church about how, like, how to live in the kingdom and how to walk with Jesus and how to become the person that Jesus died for you to be. It just, it seems to kind of be lacking sometimes. And, and that's not a slam on the church. It's just saying like, hey, we, we need to work on this. Um, the global church kind of needs to work on it. The American church really needs to work on it. And so our church has said, we're, we're going to not, uh, this is not going to be a game to us. We're going to intentionally invest in one another. We see it in the scriptures. We see it in Jesus' life. We know we're under that command. Um, okay, we get it. So I'm not here to say, like, to say, okay, everybody at the ring, this needs to be happening. Because we all know it needs to be happening. Um, so I'm here to just kind of um, offer, like I said, three kind of blobs of thought connected to this idea. Maybe there's something in there for us. Because this is definitely where God has us. We're definitely trying to figure this stuff out for sure. Okay. So my first kind of blob of thought comes from this idea um, that it's not about it's not about the old and the young. It's about the experienced and the inexperienced. Okay? It's not the old teach the young, it's the experienced teach the inexperienced. A lot of times we, we kind of feel like it. I know that some of the passages we talked about, like there's definitely age stuff in there. Well, that's because with age comes experience. So I think that's okay, yeah. Um, but we're not, we're not trying to pursue some sort of a model where, where we, need, um, we need a room full of people that are all like, uh, would be considered like senior, senior adults, and then get them in the same room with all of our teenagers, and then like let's, that's not necessarily what we're trying to make happen. It's a good thing because we don't have a lot of senior, senior adults around here. And we don't have a lot of teenagers. We have a lot of people kind of in that middle deal. And so if we're thinking of, of teaching and learning, if we're thinking of, of discipleship only in terms of the, of the old speaking to the young, then we're missing the biblical picture of what's going on. I'm saying it's, it's like when, when the disciples were like, will you, teach, will you teach us how to pray? They said, you know, you have experienced something that we have not experienced fully. Will you teach us how to do that? That's what, that's what we're going for. And so that's super, super important to keep in mind that um, it's not about age. It's about experience. And every single one of us, we all have these experiences that we need to be sharing and we need to be teaching people and we need to be learning from other people's experience. And so that's that's a lot of our philosophy of why, why, why do we do community groups? So it's like, let's put put this random group of people together who have all these different experiences. And let's try to get them to share life so that there's a lot of teaching and learning going on. Let's open up the Bible Let the Spirit of God speak to us through the text 
And then let's share our experiences with that text, and let's create this environment of teaching and learning, teaching and learning, teaching and learning. That's, that's what we're trying to do. That's why we have married discipleship. That's why we have, um, that's why we have every, really, every ministry that we have really comes down to this belief that we're supposed to be teaching and learning all the time, you know, just constantly. Um, the, the, one of the cool things about those, that environment, though, and that's another reason why we need to toss out this idea of, of it's the old mentor, the young, is that the learning really, it really goes both ways. There isn't a situation where one person is pouring into somebody else and the, the one doing the pouring receives no blessing or no benefit from it. It doesn't work that way. And so instead of thinking of old to young, think experience to inexperienced, but also just think believer to believer. Because that's really what it comes down to for us. When you read Paul's letters to Timothy, you can tell that Paul... Paul gets like such a blessing out of his relationship with Timothy. It's not, here I am, I'm, I'm Paul, I'm a big shot, whatever, you're this young kid in ministry, let me, you know, let me just like, kind of throw you some pearls of wisdom. He's like, no, I remember your tears, I can't, I can't wait to see you so that I may be filled with joy. It's, it's reciprocated. And so we have to throw out this idea that it's, it's I'm going to pour into you. It's that we, we pour into each other. We just share our lives and our experiences, and we're always teaching we're always learning. Um, a lot of times people will say, like, uh, hey, who, who initiates that? You know, should the, should the inexperienced person go to someone with experience and say, hey, hey, I noticed that, I know, remember one time in community group you said that you've been through this and I'm kind of, kind of, kind of there. Could we hang out? Would that be cool? Or, or should it be the other way? Should the experienced people walk around, like, look, looking for noobs, you know, rookies, rookies to pour into, you know, uh, like, uh, who's a newbie? You're a newbie? You're a new at this? Okay, I'm going to invest in you because I have lots of experience and you have zero. Uh, that's not really how, that, that seems kind of weird too. And so you have, you have, uh, newbies and then you have these like experienced folks and both feel really weird about who, who initiates or who's, who, who makes the first move. And truth is we see it both in scripture. It doesn't really matter. It just doesn't matter. So we can't let that be an excuse to sit back and not be learning from people and to not be teaching and investing. We can, that just cannot be what holds us back. It's ridiculous. But it is so much the time. It's like, well, it might be, that'll be weird. That'll be weird. All right, let's just say that it's just not going to be weird, ever. It's never going to be weird if someone comes to you and says, hey, I know you've been through this. Could I maybe talk to you about it? That's never going to be weird. It's never going to be weird for someone to say, hey, um, I've kind of been where I think you are. Let's just sit down and let me hear kind of where you are and let me share some stuff. It's not going to be weird. The truth is, every single one of us has something to offer. Every one of us have been through things, great things, difficult things. Uh, our church has a ridiculous amount of experience for a church that's only six years old, and it's super widespread, and you'd probably be shocked if we were just to make a random list of all just the stuff that people have been through. That was one of the, the, one of the criticisms that we... Uh, God, especially early on, was we were, we were so packed into this like little demographic. People were saying, yeah, but what if I go through this? You know, what if there's nobody in that little, you know, that family of faith that's experienced that? You know, you just don't have enough life experience. To which I say, well, there's this giant church out there to pull from as well, but whatever. Uh, but what I say now is like, yeah, okay, I see your point, but in six years, there's not much you can name that we haven't somehow either walked directly with somebody through it or walked with someone who was walking with someone through it. That's incredible. 
So we have all this stuff to offer. So it's not this hierarchy of this person's super spiritual, so they get to speak into like everybody else who's a complete rookie. It doesn't work that way. We're all teaching, we're all learning. Uh, this is then this is it's important. It's absolutely important. Um, so that's like kind of the first blob. Okay. Second blob um, comes down to this this deal that the content of of that teaching and learning is absolutely crucial. Okay. Look look again at, at Titus chapter two. Like look at look at what's being taught, okay? He doesn't say, hey, like older men, older experienced men, make sure that you like hang out with the younger dudes. Uh, ladies who you're married with kids and you, you just you have all this experience, make sure you just spend some time with the younger ones. No. Look at the content of this discipleship. Start in verse two. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Okay? That's just the character, okay, the pursuit of godliness that's going on with these men. Verse 3, older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. That's some pretty intense stuff. Like that's, that's not just hanging out, teaching you how to knit. That's, that's character building. That's heart work right there. Saying, okay, you're going to hang out with someone who's, who doesn't have the experience that you do, you better be a shaping force in their life. Or saying, if hey, if you're going to spend time with someone who has a lot more experience than you do in walking with the Lord, you better, you better ask them every question you possibly can. Don't you waste that time. Don't you settle for that time being shallow together. Let, let that time be significant. Verse 6, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show, look at this list, integrity, dignity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Let there just be a ridiculous amount of integrity in the kind of teaching and learning that's going on relationally among you. That's what he's telling them. Our, the content of our discipleship is it's just so important. It, ha, it has to be in place. It has to be something that we don't just kind of hope happens. Um, when we talk about uh, like caring for each other holistically, that's, that's what needs to go on. And so I think in a practical outworking of this, it's, okay, if... If you um, if you are being obedient in like pursuing those relationships that God gives, okay. So, like I said, it doesn't matter who initiates it; it just matters that you're obedient. So, whether you would put yourself in in the on the experienced side, experienced side of whoever you're talking with, or if you're or inexperienced, it doesn't really matter. Um, let's say you've been obedient and. And so you're you're sitting down, you're 
in a one-on-one, like you're having coffee or something, or um, let's say like like maybe uh, you and your wife uh, had had some folks over for dinner or something like that, or just whatever the case is, you're sitting down. Um, think think holistically in like through your conversation ahead of time. Think physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs. I'm not saying you, you need to like go through those things. Like, okay, let's go around the table and share this. No, that's not, that's, I mean, that might not be a bad thing. It certainly would get people talking. But uh, maybe just something where where you are intentional going into it of saying, like, I just don't want this to be like a completely shallow time. Like God has put has put this connection in place for a reason. And so maybe it's a matter of over the course of conversation, you're just intentionally asking about deeper things. Maybe you're you're asking questions, you're sensing you're uh, just maybe some uh, strife or some struggle in there, and you're not, just not afraid to ask about that. So much of this really comes down to just being a really good listener. I think the majority of ministry in general comes down to just learning how to listen to people. And when you hear something and you're not, you hear something and like, you know, kind of it pings in there, you're just not afraid to ask about it, you know. So, so we have... Uh, you know, we have these this amazing group of college students, you know, who are part of our church, and um, and this weird thing happens after a couple of years. They make you stop going to school and start getting a job. It's coming for you. So last year was it was kind of like our our first like really like big group to graduate, and we start we meaning like me and Meg like we we lead the the college community group, and so we start hearing them say like, yeah, man, like these. Keep talking to these adults in church. I'm getting to know them and stuff, and they just keep telling me to like enjoy it while I can because it's about to get miserable. You know, we're like, oh, that's really interesting discipleship that you're getting. Just consistently, and so we're like, okay, so you're telling me like adults in our church instead of like walking you through some of these concerns and helping you maybe understand some stuff and praying with you and encouraging you, they're telling you that all your fears are valid. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We keep hearing that. Okay, well, the content of our discipleship needs needs some tweaking. We need to be teaching each other how to live in the kingdom, how to walk through this just this minefield of life, you know. So, It's really a matter of of pursuing, like the Lord in in obedience in this in this area of life. That you sit there and you really think, okay, um, who who am I investing in? Who am I like intentionally like sharing and and really like teaching from my experience? Uh, who who can I who can I have that investment into? And who is investing in me? How am I like really pursuing? Someone who just has experience that I need, and as the Lord begins to show you those things, and you just obediently step into it. I mean, it's just—it really is that simple. And it doesn't mean that you have to enter into some some thing where, like, you know, every Tuesday from four thirty a.m. to six o'clock a.m., you walk through Second Thessalonians and the original language, all that kind of stuff. That's not—that's what a lot of people think the discipleship is, and it doesn't have to to be that way. It could be long-term, it could be short-term, it could be really consistent, it could just be from time to time. It might just take like one, like, can I just have one conversation with you about this? Or you see somebody, 
For some reason, the Lord just puts them on your heart. They say something in community group. They, you, just, you hear something. You, you see some prayer request that comes across your emails. Something and you're just drawn there. There just needs to be something more. So you sit down and you make sure that the content of that time, you just don't settle for it to be shallow. So you're teaching and you're learning. You're teaching and you're learning. You're sharing from each other. And then you take that back and you filter that through the Lord. Like, you have to. Because I've been spiritually mentored by some terrible, te- well, not terrible people, with some really, really terrible advice before. And so you may look at someone and say, like, man, I need to learn from that experience. And you sit down and talk with them, and you're like, I just learned what to not do by everything they were telling me to do, because that is completely inconsistent with the Word of God. You have to filter that stuff. But our, our content our content has to has to go there. Um, that's the second blob. Here's the third blob. I, just, I wrote down when I was working through this, just like, why so hesitant? The question mark. Why are we so hesitant about this? Because I, I believe that, that all across this room, right, you know, tonight, you've probably been like, yeah, yeah, that, I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Need to be doing that. I want to do that. I want to pursue that. I want to, I want to invest myself in other people and I want people to invest in me. That sounds really, really great. But there's this part of you that is like, be like, it ain't never going to happen. So I was trying to pray through that. I'm like, why? Okay, why are we so hesitant as people? And here's what I think it really comes down to. There's probably a lot of a lot of things we could chalk up to, you know, being afraid of, of awkwardness or doubting this and doubting that or whatever. Being like, what do I have to offer? Insecurities, all that kind of stuff. But really, here's what it comes down to: um, that when you have stopped learning, you you don't teach anymore. Learning leads to teaching. It's a natural. It's a natural thing. Okay, that's why, like, just in a sinful sense, look at gossip. Right? You learn something new about someone, and you teach someone else what you learned. Natural. That's how it works. You watch the Discovery Channel about something totally fascinating, and you learn all this stuff, and then you want to teach somebody else because now you're an expert because you watched a 30-minute program on Discovery Channel, you know, about how they make top hats. And you're like, oh, I totally know how they make top hats. Now I'm going to go teach other people how to do this. And people are like, we don't care. We, we don't care. But but when you learn something, like you want to teach people. You all, we all have friends like that. We all do. Because when you learn something, you get so excited. You learn a new joke, you want to teach that joke to somebody. Some of the most popular sites on Twitter are like just dealing with like random facts. You love to learn random facts about people. And then you're like regurgitating that and passing that on to people. We love, what we learn, we teach. What we learn, we teach. It's just how it works. When you've stopped learning from Jesus, you stop teaching people about Jesus. I think that's the hesitation for us. We can blame fear, we can blame awkwardness, we can blame insecurity, all that kind of stuff, but it really comes down to the fact that um, that we're not taking care of our own 
relationship with Jesus. So there's not much to pass on. Because you think, well, who am I, who am I to do this? Because I can't even keep my own stuff straight. So why would I speak into somebody else's life? That's the hesitation point. When you stop learning, you stop teaching. There's been this radical amount of like teaching slowing down, I think largely because people have stopped learning the goodness and the grace and the love of the Lord. Because the people who are quickest to speak into my life and teach me things are the ones who are learning rapidly from their Savior about who they are. They're, being, they're going through all kinds of, of healing from all kinds of baggage. They're in the Scriptures. They're praying. They, just, they love everything about them, and they just cannot wait to teach me what they're learning. And I know from my own experience, and you probably, although you don't want to agree with me, I think I'm right. But when you've slowed to a halt in your pursuit of the Lord, you're just not going to pour into somebody else's life. And so this whole cycle of discipleship, of teaching and learning, teaching and learning, starts with learning. Back to last week, about pursuing a more intimate relationship with God for His glory, by devoting ourselves to things that connect us to Him and teach us who He is and reveal His character to us. And when that's going, you just you got to teach people. You just have to. It's just there. It's just natural. If we want to see discipleship like start to like really rev up, it doesn't start with setting up more coffee dates. It doesn't start with putting like making a list and doing all this kind of stuff. It doesn't start there. It starts with you and Jesus spending time together in prayer and in the Word and pursuing holiness. And then comes in that last part in the covenant about doing that in a community of faith, hope, and love. And that's where, that's the outworking of all that stuff. So let me give you two more verses and then we're going to sing a little bit and we're going to go. Let me show you a scary verse and then an awesome verse. How's that for progression, huh? All right. Before we put it up, think back to uh, Joshua chapter 4. They cross the river on dry ground. They put the stones where the stones shouldn't be so that when your kids ask, Dad, why are those stones there? Those don't, those don't match the countryside. You can say, well, the Lord stopped the river and the, our people crossed on dry land. And he was faithful and he was good. And you just, you just brag on Jesus to your kids. That's what's supposed to happen. Okay? That's Joshua and the Israelites. All right? This is Judges chapter 2. Joshua, Joshua died. Alright, and this is the next verse, verse 10. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, meaning that they all died. So the, that whole generation that crossed the river and was supposed to talk about the stones died. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. You know why that verse is there? Because they, they didn't tell their kids. I mean, that's, that would be, that's my logical conclusion. Not that I'm a, theologian or whatever, but that verse wouldn't be there if they had been faithful to walk out what we read in Joshua 4. If they had told their kids, or maybe they did and the kids were rebelled, and all, maybe so, but a whole generation? Just, that can't be the case. And I know one of, our, one of our prayers and our desires for our church is that our, our kids would walk in in truth, longer than we have. 
And so a pastor friend of mine named Jeff Eden says, we want our kids to walk in truth longer than we have. I think for us, I think we want our kids to grow up where living in the kingdom is its just its the only way. It just doesn't make sense to live any other way. A lot of us are having to make shifts, trying to undo a lot of, you know, some baggage and different things or whatever. And that's not, I'm not blaming anybody or whatever, but I'm saying for our church, we want all those little ones who are over there to just like grow up in this natural, this natural uh, cycle of discipleship where they just grow up learning and teaching and learning and teaching and learning and teaching. So it's for them, but it's for us too. There are people in our lives that need to, to learn and teach all this. And it really comes down to our learning, like I said. And here's here's the, the happier verse, Matthew 11. Jesus says, come, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus offers us the opportunity to learn directly from Him. You know, so you have a yoke, you have, you have like, like the two parts of a yoke, and you put two animals in there and they start plowing the field together, right? You put the, you put a, an experienced animal on one side and a complete newbie on the other side. You don't put two rookies together. You put a new animal, an older animal. And they start going together. And the older animal is bigger, stronger, experienced, but knows the commands of the farmer or whatever his name is. They know the voice. They know when he when he hits you on this side what to do. When he pulls back, this is what you do. And so since they're bound together, the the, the newbie has no choice but to learn. Jesus is, Jesus is saying, okay, I'm, I'm on one side of this yoke. You come get in the other side, and you learn learn from me. I know the voice of the Father. I know what it's like to live in the kingdom. I know how to pray. I know how to. I'm I'm holy. I mean, I know all this stuff. Um, come come with me and let me and just learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'm the one doing a lot of the work, but but you got to get in here too and participate with this. He's saying, come learn from me, and I promise you, when we when we take him up on that. And you say, there's nothing more important in my life than you. We begin to learn. We naturally begin to teach. And we'll see, we'll see this momentum naturally build within our church, within our hearts, within our minds. Next thing you know, in discipleship, it's just, you, you don't, don't even come around our church if you don't want to learn. Because we're investing, we're opening up our lives, and we're going to expect the same from you. We want to learn from your experience, and this is just going and going and going. The bride gets stronger, um, more and more people come into the kingdom, and eventually Jesus is going to come back, and then it's on. So let's just not wait. Uh, let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful for the just all these examples in your word about learning and teaching. I'm grateful really just for the different kind of blobs of thought that you kind of just brought over the course of this week. And I, I definitely just sense that there's, there's a desire... Um, just here tonight. I mean, I think everybody's on board with wanting that. But there is that hesitation. And so as as ones who are learning directly from you, just ask that you would step us through the 
the things that hold us back. That we would learn about ourselves and as we pursue whatever whatever is there with the insecurities or fears, awkwardness, whatever it is. Bottom line, at the end of the day, we want to be learning and knowing you. Just, I mean, knowing you. So much so that we just can't help but teach those around us. It just spills out of us. So whatever reordering needs to happen with us, I pray that you would just do that in us. As we respond through song tonight, just that things would just really come alive for us. That your will would be done in this place. Just, just spend a minute or two just praying and we'll stand and sing. See what the Lord has for you.